Lindsay. Yes. I think you ran across a pretty cool blog recently. Yes, Man Van Dog Blog. What was that all about? Okay, so Joe Hawley, he was a NFL football player. He decided to change his life, kind of uh, buy a buy a van and and travel the country. This is such a cool story. He came into the dealership to buy a truck camper, and we got to ask him all kinds of great questions. Yeah, so that's what we're going to hear about today, Joe. His life changes, his travels, getting into truck campers, and so much more. Man Van Dog Blog football. We'd once again like to welcome you to the show. This is the RV Small Talk podcast where we talk about tiny trailers, truck campers, and the people, places, and adventures that go along with them. And sometimes football. And sometimes football. We are your hosts from Princess Craft RV in Round Rock, Texas. I'm Clint. I'm Lindsay. And I'm PJ. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to do one more plug for how to reach out to us. We have a questions at rvsmalltalk.com email. So if you have questions or comments, send them our way. And we also have a Google Voice account. So you can actually leave us a voice message with your question, comment, suggestion, whatever. That number is 512-843-1311. Again, that's 512-843-1311 to leave us a voicemail. And maybe we will choose your message to be included in a future podcast episode. We accept bird noises. That's obviously the sound of the ever wonderful blue footed booby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love the sound of puffins in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what puffins sound like. I don't know either, but someone needs to call in and let us know. But they're so cute. They are. They're really beautiful they're birds. So Didn't you eat one? No, no, I didn't. But I did learn that New Zealand, Iceland, Icelanders eat puffin. But you didn't. Mm -mm. How are you ever going to know what a puffin tastes like? Uh, I I don't think I am. Yeah, you're never going to be able to say this chicken tastes like puffin. (laughs) (laughs) And what a shame that is. I know. One of life experiences that's going to pass me by. Hey, is this our banter section? Because it's going really well. (laughs) One of our best yet. But I thought what we were going to talk about was football. Come on. Let's talk about football. Okay. How much football did you watch over the past year? Not enough. Because I'm a football fan and yeah. there was not enough to watch. And it just... It didn't feel you know, the same. I am sorry. Cardboard people in the stands. Just... It's, yeah. It just wasn't the same. Yeah. But... And I don't know. It just felt really different. But yeah, I do watch football. And I don't know why. I just, I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy watching it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm okay. not an expert. I know that a lot of our viewers, I mean, they, if they have a TV with them, they're usually using that TV for, not usually, a lot of our viewers use that TV for sporting events while they're camping. True. Oh, yeah. That's why we, when we say that you can put the TV on the outside of this trailer yeah. to catch the game. Exactly. Because it's it's almost it's almost like you're in the stadium parking lot just kind of doing your tailgating. Tail- <laughs> it's, it's like you're it's like you're doing the tailgating, but you're at a campground, which is you're wherever you fan- want to be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so are you more college sports or professional sports? College. Yeah, definitely college. I tend to go college as well, just because there's something. It's more fun. Yeah. There's a different element of entertainment there. Well, yeah, I think that's true. Plus, you know, half the quarterbacks out there are from Westlake right here in Austin. So (laughs) (laughs) pretty much you get to know those. And then when they, when they hit the NFL, then, you know, I, I know them. I get to watch their teams and I've seen them grow up, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it that personal side of it, I think, is probably what got me started. Uh-huh. That and the Longhorns, just because, you know, I've been around UT forever. She's been around UT. You went to UT. I did. A long time. She is by a the Longhorn. Way. Did you see a her long hair? Time. She's obviously a Longhorn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to get to talk to Joe. Yeah. Because I I guess I never thought about what players do after they play football or what their life is like, mm-hmm. what they go through. How I, I only know the superstars that we think are mega rich. Right. Um, but that is a very slim number right. of players. So I am excited to kind of get a feel for uh, um, 
what I don't know what his life is like and how he ended up in a van. Yeah. That's got to be a yeah. story. But like by how, choice, y'all. Yeah. Yes, how by did, choice. <laughs> this is not a homeless story. How he ended up in a van. How did the professional football player end up in a van down by the river? Yes. With a dog. Man van dog blog. Sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty, sounds pretty <laughs> awesome, I doesn't can't it? stop. Yeah. I all think right. it sounds great. So it's, it's a great story. A how, bit jealous, actually. Aren't we all? So it's a great story, I think. So let's uh, let's get him on the show. Let's do it. Um, we we know very little, so we're going to ask all the questions. Is oh, that okay? Is there yeah. anything you would like off the table? Nothing's off the table. All right. It's all on the table. Honey, I'm home. <laughs> all right. Well, how do you say your last name? Holly. Holly. Like Hollywood. Oh, Okay. We can call it, say Howley. Yeah, we've been definitely saying it wrong. <laughs> no, I thought it might be Holly. In college, the, all the Polynesians called me Howley. I mean, it's a white boy. And oh, the, well, look at that. Well, then let me start by saying it is Joe Holly who's yeah. joining us today. I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah, we got that just right out of the gate. Um, and, you know, we want to chat with you partly because you're picking up a truck camper from us today yeah super stoked about it oh yeah Yeah. an arctic fox awesome and Mm -hmm. um i know that you've had a podcast but you know there's a lot of dimensions to you and is that fair to say or does it feel like life phases how does it feel like to you you have so many facets of what you've done there's a lot of layers experiences (laughs) just getting started it's infinite you know you just keep unfolding yeah Let's talk about the phases of your life, and then I want to talk about like the next ones since yeah. it's unfolding. Past, past, present, and in future. Yeah, like all that sounds so now. organized. <laughs> it's gonna be such a meta podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. all right. Well, tell us about your childhood and where you started. <laughs> okay, where do I start? I was born in Bakersfield, California. Bakersfield. A lot of cool people came from Bakersfield. Really? Who else came from Bakersfield? Uh, musicians came from Bakersfield. <laughs> Army people came from Bakersfield. Army people? You're just saying uh, Yeah, things. people came from Bakersfield. <laughs> Some people. I came from Bakersfield. You're pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't guess. really know you. And then but there's Joe. Say, cool. <laughs> and then there's Joe. And then there's me. Um, yeah, then I grew up in Orange County, California. And um, I won't, we won't talk about famous people from Orange County. There's a lot of famous people from Orange County. Yes. Um... Then went to college at UNLV on a football scholarship. What is UNLV? University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Okay, thank you. The Running Rebs. The Running run Rebs. We weren't very good at football, but <laughs> it, it created some sort of, might have created a gambling addiction, but uh, yeah, but we we'll won't process t- that later. <laughs> we're not, we're not gonna, I That's one of said, the phases. No, yeah. I asked you in the beginning and you said nothing was off the table. So uh, can we come back around to yeah, that? Yeah, we'll come back around to that. <laughs> okay, so UNLV. Uh, it was that like, did they offer you a scholarship or was mm-hmm. it your first choice or? Yeah. So I, I was pretty good at football in high school and got uh-huh. a bunch of offers and I was just, I wanted to play right away. I got, I got some offers from, from some pretty big schools like University of Wisconsin, Oregon, Arizona. I really wanted to go to UCLA, but they uh-huh. said my grades weren't good enough, which I know is BS because I played in an all-star game with like 10 guys that were going to U- UCLA. And like half of them had worse grades than me. <laughs> they just didn't want you <laughs> on their football did, team. Yeah, they didn't have room for me, I guess. But the yeah, joke's on they them. had somebody else that played that position that maybe his dad donated donated more money. Maybe, maybe you know? that's the way it works. You got booted out. I have no idea how it works. I don't but either. I know money's involved. There's a lot of money. Yeah. involved in all of it. This <laughs> so, whole existence, huh? UNLV <laughs> and then, um, and then. So I played there, and then uh, in 2010, I got drafted to play with the Falcons uh, in the fourth round. Wow. And yeah, I played there for five years. And, and Were I, you so excited? Was that like, cool, I get to play with the Falcons, or was it like, man, I would have rather gone to? Um, I really thought I was going to get drafted to the Broncos, mm-hmm. but um, the Falcons was kind of a surprise. Um, but yeah, it was definitely one of the best moments of my life as a childhood dream. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so cool. Yeah, it was cool. I was, I was slated to be like a seventh round pick, free agent, and I had a really good draft process. Obviously, coming from a small school like UNLV, 
I wasn't sure if I'd even get drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, to get my name called in the fourth round was really something special. Um, but then, you know, I'm a West Coaster. I've never really been to the, the East Coast or the South. Uh-huh. So there were some like stories there. Like everybody's like, yeah. oh, you're going to the Dirty South. I'm like, what does that even mean? You'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> if you hadn't been East of uh, Las Vegas, there is a lot to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned I've learned a lot since then. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I played there for five years, a little bit of a culture shock. I mean, the South is a weird yeah. place. It's like, it's definitely it's its own ecosystem. But that's the cool thing about the U.S. There's like so many different places to go and different types of vibes. Yeah. And so... What um, was the biggest shocker in the South? I mean, what, what surprised you? Um, that we actually drink mint juleps? <laughs> Are you from the South? I... Since I was since I was about one. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So so born in New Jersey. So I'm a I'm a transplant, but mm. you don't have to keep telling people that of years. <laughs> yeah, can I just ignore yeah, it? Just say you're, you're Yeah, but from then the I'd South. be then I'd be born in Houston and I don't know if I want that either. It's All just, over so. the place. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean I think the biggest surprise was how lush and green it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was driving down the highway, I literally got, I remember when I first got there, it was like claustrophobic because there was like, you couldn't see the horizon because it's just trees on both sides and you're just driving. <laughs> oh, got, like you've I been in Vegas, in Vegas for too long. It's like you, I could see the horizon yeah, 50 miles away. Yeah, everything's super flat. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> this is so that. weird. The trees are closing in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, really hot and humid, like yeah. playing mm-hmm. football. It felt like yep. I was practicing in a steam room. I've always yep. wondered how you guys do that in, oh, man. with all the stuff on you oh man and there's then, stuff there's a lot of stuff and uh <laughs> i didn't think it, it it could get hotter but then i went down and played in tampa bay and it is literally like playing in, in hell if i, I could yeah. describe it yeah it's brutal yeah sounds crazy absolutely yeah well with as much as we know about football we know there's lots of stuff and it must be really hot mm. and that sounds miserable yeah Probably took some years off my life. Definitely took some years off my career. Like if I would have gone and played in like Green Bay or Detroit or somewhere up north during training camp, like it's like 70 degrees. It's nice. Yeah. But then you're shoveling snow and it's, yeah, you know, in the 10, time, it's 10 really degrees, cold. you know, and yeah. so I don't know. When, <laughs> I'd rather, I mean, the so everything just, sucks. <laughs> that's not in Las Vegas either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Vegas, we just had to practice like before the sun came up or when the sun went down, like the sun's. Right over top. That's how everything happens in like, Vegas. Like it was so hot on the field during the <laughs> midday that like our cleats would melt to the to the astroturf. You are kidding! <laughs> I swear. What? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. No. Get off it! No. So hot. So hot. All right. So after that, then where did we go? Where did you go? We didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you guys <laughs> we, along with me on this I journey. Was right here. We are still here. Um, so then, after five years there, I ended up getting cut. And went and signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for three years. Okay. I don't know a lot about football, but what did that feel like to get cut from a team? I mean, what, um, it was, how awful is that? It just sounds horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's just it's like hard. getting fired. Yeah. It's yes. just getting fired. You just Aww, get fired. You I'm just sorry. say, no, yeah. thank you. I mean, I had a really up and down career. I mean, I played in, I think, 90 games. I started over 50 games, but I lost my starting job five different times. Uh, blew my knee out. Uh, ACL, MCL reconstruction, which was like a whole year recovery. That was part of the reason I got cut because my knee didn't recover right. Um, They ended up cutting me after final cuts. And there's like a lot of kind of context that goes into this if you don't know how kind of football works. But the preseason and training camp, there's 90 guys on the roster. And then they do the final cuts over the last weekend before the season starts. And they didn't cut me until the following Monday when all the whole league's rosters were set. So they decided to cut me and there was no, basically no opportunities for me. So Because I to, everybody else had their rosters too. Yeah. Right? And, and they so they didn't their, put you on the market. Yeah. So if they would have cut me on Friday instead of Monday, I would have probably gotten a job somewhere else. Um, but they had already filled all the roster spots. So then I ended up going down to Tampa because my old coach was offensive coordinator down there and they needed a backup. So that was the only opportunity for me. So I went down there as a backup and the very first game I was down there, I didn't even really know any of my teammates or anything. I got there on Wednesday. It was week two of the season and the first play of the second half, the starting center rolled his ankle. And so I had to go out there and play. I ended up starting the next 30 games in a row and it was like a big resurgence of my career. So it was like a really wild experience to like get cut and have to go through that whole emotional, mental kind of swings um, to all of a sudden like really having one of the greatest opportunities ever. 
Man, that is a life lesson right there. Yeah, trust, right there. trust the universe. Are, yeah, are you one of those people that's uh, everything happens for a reason type people? 100%. Yes. I mean, okay. it seems really like that. it. Yeah. Just go with the wind. Trust, faith. What if there's no wind? Oh, then you're just going to sit there. <laughs> that's cool too, though. And that's Wait okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm, I think, yeah, if, as long as you're doing the best you can do with whatever the circumstance is and you had an opportunity and you put 100% into it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that comes down to my, my first time I got cut was my third year uh, in the league. And so the context behind this story is my second year, I was the starting right guard. Um, I'm a center, so I played the center most of my career. So the, my second mm-hmm. year, I started at right guard because we had like a 13-year veteran at center. And so the following year, he his contract was up and he was set to retire. And so they had drafted me to kind of replace him when he retired. Right. So I went into that offseason thinking, okay, now's my time to shine. They're going to move me over to center. I'm going to have my own 13-year career and just, you know, right off into the wind. Yeah, yeah, but perfect. Turns out there wasn't a wind. <laughs> <laughs> you had to just sit there. <laughs> I had to just sit there. So we go into the- So did he keep playing? No, so so he so he was set to retire. His contract was up, and then we went into that that year's uh, draft, the NFL draft, and with our first pick of the draft, we ended up drafting the best center in the draft out of college. And wow, who was, was that? It was his name was Peter Cons out of Wisconsin, and so knowing like how the NFL works, if you draft a guy that high, he, he's going to play. He's going to play. And so it just felt like the rug was ripped out from under me. And I just, I kind of went into this downward spiral. I was kind of playing the victim, pointing the finger at everybody else and just, you know, just really in a bad spot. And so I ended up going into training camp that year thinking I was going to be the starter to barely making the team. And I went the whole season without even dressing. I was just an inactive guy on the sidelines. And oh gosh, a whole year. Yeah, it was really a whole tough year. And, um, and so end up going like having a really bad year i was kind of in this depressive mindset go home drinking like just wasn't my play on the field at practice was not showing up right just because i was in this victim mindset like blaming everybody on the team for where i was at and uh we actually did really well that year i think we were like 13 and 1 at the time and we were going to be the first the number one seed in the playoffs and like two weeks before the playoffs were about to start i got a call from my coach they called me into the office and sat me in front of the head coach and the gm they're like we're going to release you and I was like, oh, in that moment was like the first big wake up call where it was like, okay, I'm going to be on the streets without a job, kind of my dream squandered and nobody in this organization is going to care. And mm-hmm. the only person that's going to care is me. And it was like this big wake up call that I am the one that didn't do good enough to earn my job and end up speaking my mind. There's a little bit that goes into that, but um, end up telling them that, you know, it was a huge conversation that kind of happens, but end up, they end up keeping me. Um, and they told me like, we're going to keep you as the 53rd man on the roster. You're going to be able to prove yourself. Um, and so I ended up coming back and that was like the huge transition in my, in my career where I started like really showing up for myself. Did you like convince them? Yeah. Was this a conversation of no, wait, give me another chance. I can do better. Was Um, that the gist of it or how did you, did you literally talk yourself out of that victim mindset right there? Um, I kind of blacked out to be honest with you. I mean, this is a big conversation. I kind of, I saw the writing on the wall. Like they had called me, you know, it's like the call that everybody, you know, dreads. Dreads, yeah. You know, hey, coach wants to see you bring your playbook. Going into the office is not good ever, ever. And so... I basically, so what had happened, let me back up a little bit here. Okay. So because I was kind of in this downward spiral, I ended up getting uh, tested positive uh, on a PED test, which is a performance enhancing drug test for Adderall. And that's a four game suspension. And so I got suspended for four games before that leading up to that point. And so during that four game suspension, they brought in another guy from another team to replace me on the roster for those four games. And then when I came back, they had to make a decision between me or that guy to keep on the roster. And so they decided we're going to keep that guy. We're going to release you. And so I told them basically, I think what really got them thinking was because we were doing so well, I said, if the starting center got hurt in the playoffs, would you trust this guy to play or would you trust me to play? And they're like, they kind of thought about it for a sec. And they're like, I guess we'll have to trust the other guy. And I was like, okay. And then I went through the whole cut process, which was like 10, 15 minutes, did all, signed all the papers. And they ended up calling me back into the office like 15 minutes later. And like, Joe, we thought about what you said and we're going to keep you. And the next week in the playoffs, I was actually dressing as a backup, which I hadn't really dressed the whole year. Wow. Yeah. 
So you you advocated for yourself and exactly. they said, yeah, we like your talent. We just didn't really like who you were and didn't trust you. But mm -hmm. maybe maybe you've got something. Yep, yep. And so then that year, so back up again. So they drafted that center. Plus, they signed the starting center back. So they that's why I ended up not dressing the whole year because they had two guys that were, were playing. And so then the, the following year, they're like, all right. I was, I'm, I'm ready to compete. That starting center finally retired after 14 years. Okay. And so it was between me and this first round pick that they had drafted to compete for the starting job. And I like played so well and outperformed in the all training camp and they still gave him the job. And I was like, dang, like, it's okay. I've been through this before. I'm just going to keep my head down. And about nine weeks into the season, they end up benching him and letting me play. And it was my fourth year. And so I was heading into my contract year in free agency. And so I played really well for the final seven games and hit free agency. And then the Falcons end up signing me back as the starter. So I finally, after four years, earned my job as a wow. starter. And then the following year, my fifth year, four games into it is when I blew my knee out. Oh, oh man! Yeah, this has been a roller coaster, guys. <laughs> yeah, I've been through been through a lot just in the just in the football career. It's wild. Is that is that common? I mean, do a lot of football players like have ups and downs, one or two years of ups and downs, and do people get traded a lot? I mean, I know there are superstars who have these stellar careers, mm -hmm. and you never hear anything like that. But is this something that kind of is part of the culture, or, do, or are you one of the select few that just could not keep it going in one direction? No, I mean, sadly, it's it's, it's more common than not that the, most of the guys are grinding to make it. You know, all you hear about is the top 5% of the guys in the league that are making tens of millions of dollars a year. You hear about them on ESPN. Like, 80% yeah. of the rosters are struggling each day to make the team, and they're just expendable. And you have to constantly prove yourself. And it's just the performance anxiety that that brings is just, it's really, really challenging in a lot of ways, not just physically, but like emotionally draining, mentally. It's really hard. I'm tired just hearing about it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, this is I'm a little stressed. That's why I I'm a little stressed. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, yeah, I, let's I talk about walking that away. Because it sounds like the stress brought on a lot of different things that maybe you're not really proud of. But mm -hmm. so then you get to Tampa, you have some success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so go to Tampa, the starting center gets hurt, I ended up starting for the next two years and mm -hmm. I had a two year contract. So then I hit free agency again and they ended up signing me back. There's a whole story there. Um, but I'm coming back and having to compete for my job again, my eighth year. And they, 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 um, something I had been through before. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to do what I can do to, to prove mm -hmm. myself, end up losing my starting job for the fifth time in my career to a, to a younger guy and realized that they brought me back in free agency just to kind of groom this starting, this other center who had never played center before. Uh -huh. And it's not something they really communicated to me. But after the fact, I realized like that's really what they were doing. It really wasn't a competition at all. They just wanted to bring me back so that I can kind of be a little bit of a, a safety net if you got hurt and kind of mentor and mentor him and mm -hmm. groom him. Um, and so that final year when I was on the sidelines again, um, it was the first time I, I was an inactive guy. And, uh, you know, when I was back inactive that third year, you know, I really wanted to play more than anything. And my eighth year, like I was on the sideline and I was content. I was happy. I was like, I don't really feel called to, to go out there and compete anymore. And that was in the moment I knew like that was going to be my final year playing. And so when it was done, you had the option to be a free agent or walk away and you just said, I'm done? Yeah, yeah. What well, was that like? How do you say, I'm done? Yeah, it was- Dear it was, NFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, so they didn't, I didn't tell any of the coaches I was done because there's like some, some workers comp stuff and injury settlements and like all this like legal stuff that goes into it. And I had a lot of injuries. So I wanted to make sure that mm -hmm. I wasn't, like I wanted to try and make it like I, couldn't play anymore with my, my knees and my shoulders, which was, you know, part of the reason I was walking away because all the physical trauma on my body and I just couldn't put up with it anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was my final year and it was, I'm really grateful that my, my final year, I, I made that decision at the beginning of the year. So I got uh -huh. to play that whole final year knowing that it was my final year and I got to like soak it all in all the good, all the bad, and just really soaked it up. And, um, I was really surprised when I finally walked away, like how, 
challenging it actually was like the void that it left. And, you know, I think a lot of athletes, their careers are over before they really want them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, you know, that's a rare occasion of someone walking away on their own terms and I was still really hard on me. And so I can't imagine the people that, you know, the guys that don't get to play as much as they want to or reach the the levels they want. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different layers that go into it. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously the identity is wrapped up in football. I was always one of those guys that said that told myself football is something I did. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And they always bring speakers in and tell you like, have a plan B, have a backup plan, know what you're going to do next. And like all of those talks and all that information, I thought I had my head on my shoulders straight and it's still just like a huge wake up call. And it comes with all these unique challenges that you can't really prepare for until you go through it. And, you know, even feeling supported by, you know, I was engaged at the time and my fiance didn't really support the decision of walking away and there's obviously a lot of other issues in our relationship yeah. we ended up so transitioning you to marry a football star exactly yeah. and you know and then I, I remember talking to my parents and my, my dad specifically he couldn't understand why i would just walk away from millions of dollars and you know it was my childhood dream and i was just gonna walk away from it and so it was very isolating like not a lot of people supported the decision i think a lot of people that were close to me i'm obviously they went on that journey with me so me walking away meant that that journey was over for them as well um and so that led me to kind of the next step of my life and the next journey which is trying to figure out who i was without the game and so i ended up giving all my stuff that i owned to charity i bought a van camper van and hit the road and traveled the country for better part of two years now we're getting some. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the first part is interesting because if you don't know no, where people come from with, man, uh, like I said, all the ups and downs. Um, and I feel like people who uh, give all their stuff away to charity and buy a van and travel the country always have a really good before. Like you you need the before story, right? <laughs> where did you get the idea to buy a van and travel? Was it just like, I'm done with football, so now I want to do this? Well, it sounds like mm. a runaway move. And mm. was it a runaway move in the beginning? Damn. It does. It yeah, does sound like a, a runaway. There was a piece of that. You yeah. know, there's this, this part of me that was running away from you know, football, because I, there was a part of me that felt like I never really reached my full potential. I grinded so hard to, to make it in the NFL and I got this up and down career. And so I never really reached the levels of success that I had envisioned for myself, although I made it really far and more like further than most people could ever dream. Um, there's still an aspect of that. Um, a big, you know, I wanted to experience my freedom from the game. Um, and you know figure out who i was without it and you know as far as the the van idea i actually connected it was actually my one of my fiance's friends boyfriends at the time had lived in a van for like two years and i had ended up going to a festival with him and he had his van there and i was like oh this is so cool yeah. he's like yeah i've been living out <laughs> it for a couple of years and it's like this alternative lifestyle and i was just you know could i do that like that sounds really interesting like i love being on the road and road trips but living out of a van was just like it's just this this mysterious thing. Like, how could I do that? It's a, cha- a new challenge. New challenge. And, um, you know, and also part of that was, you know, on Instagram, I was following these, uh, these like National Geographic or National Park pages. And I just saw all the beautiful nature and national parks in this country. And I was just, I had this thought when I was scrolling through, I was like, I want to see these places with my own two eyes. I don't want to just see them through this screen on my phone. And so all of these different things led me to the idea of like, you know what, I, you know, I broke off my engagement, um, like four weeks before I retired. And then when I finally retired, um, I was sitting on my couch and I was like, just, I was like so lonely. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, you know what, like I got to get moving. Let's, let's, let's go get a van. Let's travel the country. And, you know, I was only going to do it for a few months. Ended up turning into a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I think that happens more often. Lost track of time. Yeah. Yeah. now Now I'm hitting the road again in my new Arctic Fox. Well, was it just a year and a half ago that you started your van life? Uh, it was about three years ago. Three years ago. And so, so I moved to Austin uh, about a year and a half ago, a little less than a year and a half ago. Um, and I've been here uh, for about a year during during COVID. Actually, a little quarantine love story. And I actually met my wife. Like we went on our first date last March, like right when the world shut down. Ended up quarantining uh-huh. together. Um, got married. And now we just had our first baby. Uh, you had oh baby. my goodness! Three weeks Woo. ago. Three Luca? weeks. Yeah, Luca. No. Three weeks. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so okay. have you? Yeah, you haven't been sleeping. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm on one. I'm right real now. tired. <laughs> <laughs> Are you snoring through the interview here? Um, yeah, man. 
three weeks. That's mm-hmm. that's that's an adjustment. Yeah, so that's part of the reason I'm selling my van. And that's why we got the the new Arctic Fox and we kind of transitioned into, we got an F-350, we're putting the backpack camper on top of that so that we could travel with the kid and kind of continue the lifestyle. And luckily my wife's, you know, a wonderless soul as well and she loves traveling. And so we're going to hit the road again in uh, in about a month. And she's got a place yeah. up in Colorado too. So we're going to go up there and then kind of travel up in Montana and Wyoming a little bit. But you have a house here. So are you going to mm-hmm. keep your house? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just good just investment property in Austin. Take, uh, yeah. Now that you learned about depreciation, <laughs> yeah. let's learn about appreciation. Yeah, right? totally. I'm definitely feeling that. I made all that money back from that from that Mercedes in my house already. So, <laughs> so good. Feel good. A truck camper is like I, I don't understand why you went from a van to a truck camper. Just because you had a kid, doesn't a van have more room in it than a truck camper? I don't think so. No, not not even close. I don't know we'll, what we'll kind of van you had. So my first van, when I first hit the road, was an, an E350 cargo van that was converted by Sportsmobile. And it had like a pop top where you like unlatch it and it pops Got up it. like yeah, a Yeah, I love those. And yeah, it was really cool, really uh-huh. badass. And I loved it. But after living in it for eight months, I realized what I like and what I don't like. And it was just really uncomfortable. It drove uh-huh. great, but it was just really small. And so then I uh, ended up upgrading to uh, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van which was like mm-hmm. fully custom, really badass, had a full queen size bed in the back. Um, and it's, it's still not that much room. Um, and there's only two seats. So we, there's nowhere to put the car seat. And we tried oh, to figure out, it. like, we were even thinking like, should we put some bolts and like bolt down a car seat in here? But then like, as the kid grows older, like, how are we going to do that? So then I was thinking about different <laughs> options. Yeah. I'm like, I just saw it in my head. The visual. Yeah. It's like, bolt them in uh um, and so then i was thinking you know what's the next option that we could do to continue the lifestyle and i definitely didn't want to get a trailer i think traveling with Mm -hmm. a trailer um just comes with its own unique challenges you know you can't do as much like stealth camping you have to like have a little more planned where you like go and park the trailer and plug it in and all that camping yeah (laughs) it's gonna sneak on in here it's a new word for boondocking haven't you you heard you can do that with a truck camper though you could yeah, you could absolutely. go through a drive through and then just like drive off in the middle of the woods. Mm-hmm. Well, just just be careful about those drive throughs. I'm just saying. Yeah. And just, <laughs> those guys come in here for repairs. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got to figure out the height on my, on yes. my new thing because I'm like driving around. I'm we like, will tell you. Okay. Know the height of your yes. rig. Yeah. I tell you what, let's, let's make a deal since they won't hear this podcast. I bet you a steak dinner. Okay that they will tell you the height of your camper to the top before you pull out. Because okay. they're supposed to do that. If they so don't, you owe me if a they don't, I owe you a steak okay, dinner. Great. And if they do, you owe me nothing. But that's I'm a gonna, good gamble. Yeah. No gambling, man. Yeah. I'll take that one all day. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We we didn't go back to your gambling in Vegas, but this one's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they should tell you how tall it is to the very top because you have to know that number with the truck yeah. camper. Oh yeah. You just have to. And if you're pulling under uh, something that says twelve foot and you're 11 foot 10, don't trust it. And the reason is, or even if you're 11 six, in these back roads, they can repave underneath that train trestle for so 40 years. And it can be six up. or eight inches oh, higher wow. than it was when they painted that sign in the 70s. That's good to know. So, Thank you. Yeah, never, never trust them if they're even so th- close. That was going to be my question is, do you have any like concerns or about the truck camper life versus the van life honestly I mean, like stepping into the camper i came here a couple months ago to, to buy it and i'm just picking uh-huh. it up today uh i i love it it's got so much room in it i'm so blown away about how much that you can actually fit in the truck the, the bed of a truck it's pretty crazy it's isn't crazy it? i got one that has a little slide out on it uh-huh. and so there's a lot of room in there the the, the, the bed sits right on top of the cab uh-huh. it's got microwave a little mini oven it's got like a big sink a full not a full fridge but like a bigger than the fridge i had in my camper and, a and it's got a little bath. shower yeah. and, a, and a toilet and a generator <laughs> like are you kidding me like, oh my do you need oh my gosh i got all of this you are kind of fangirling right now <laughs> oh, yeah, like, but it's it's like so funny because everybody's like oh man you're selling your van like i wish i could like i could buy it i wish you know i'm like dude do this setup it's actually cheaper i'll send yeah. you i'll give you some cards <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to, come to Princess Craft. <laughs> Get a Do you referral like this fee. Rig? <laughs> well, that's 
That's exciting. It reminds me of we did an interview with a couple like a year ago and they lived in their truck camper with their infant. Mm-hmm. That's going to be mm-hmm. us. We're going to do that. Yeah. I thought it was really amazing. So, yeah. It's, what an adventure. I love people who say, let's try something else on. That's it. Yep. It's, I yep. mean, it's, I just, you know, being here, we, we stayed here for the last probably four or five months, the end of the pregnancy, and we're kind of really grounded, but we both really enjoy traveling and just changing mm-hmm. things up and just the, the stagnancy of the energy. We're both ready to like get out. Yeah. And, well, and don't you think the yeah. world is we're, ready to get out? Yeah. I, I think you're not alone in that. The whole world is ready to go somewhere. Yeah. Just so go somewhere. I'm sure business is good for you guys, huh? Uh, crazy it's busy it's crazy. busy trying to make everybody happy and make their dreams come true That's do you right. have a first where are you going first so we're gonna go up to Colorado to her she has a house up there and mm-hmm. then we're going over to Utah she's got a little event that we're going to it's like a bunch of her friends are camping out for her birthday um Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah, Moab's one Birthday of my favorite camping places. in yeah. Moab. I've never been to Utah. Uh, what? I know. Oh I'm like looking at you like, have I? Uh, <laughs> you probably I, have been through I've Utah. I've been through a lot of things. That's Ask all you really dad. need to do is <laughs> go through Utah. <laughs> He's the navigator. It's all yeah. just visual, like the rock formations and everything's really There's cool to rock. look at. Yeah. Is it kind of like Vegas? Everything kind of looks the same once you get out of town? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never been there either. You've never been to Vegas? No. Oh, man. I don't know what flat and dusty looks like. Well, oh. I've been to Lubbock. I was going to say, <laughs> you're in Texas. <laughs> West Texas is West Texas is kind of <laughs> Not a lot going the on there. Yeah. But there's some cool stuff in West Texas. We yeah. had trouble making it back from Big Bend a couple of weeks ago because all the places we wanted to stop in West Texas hmm. and hang like out. What? Where should surprising. I go? Oh, gosh. I mean, all the all the places. And I would wait another three or four months till things open up because even in the tiny towns like Marfa, a lot of it is still totally shut down. Wow. Now, I, when I went to West Texas, I really expected everything to be like nobody cared about masks, nobody worried about COVID, everything was open, you know, no big deal. Because this is Texas and it's country, but it is just the opposite. So it is very much New Mexico's mindset that everything is still locked down. So, but there's a million historic places out there to just stop and you know, Balmeray to see where there's this huge swimming pool in the middle of all the rocks. And it's 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 crazy. It's just sitting there on the highway and it's so cool. Wow. People go scuba diving in it and to go to, you know, the famous hotels out there where things have happened and just see what ranches. <laughs> what things have happened at these famous hotels. People have been murdered. <laughs> no, not really like into that. that stuff. But, you know, it's just... Where they film Giant and all those cool things. There's Giant? a million. Okay, I'll educate I, Lindsay on Texas later. I, <laughs> but for now, there's cool things in West Texas. So you just got to look for them. Mm. Yeah. I'll keep looking. We'll make a list. <laughs> <laughs> there's a tumbleweed. <laughs> well, we spent a ton of time talking about football. Yeah. And a little bit of time talking about traveling and van life. I, I mean. People love football. It's really weird. It did. <laughs> It's, it's I don't really understand weird. it. But do you like, used to love football? No, and then I was yeah, really good at it. Do you watch football and be no, like, "That's really. my friend"? I have a couple friends that played for Tampa when they won the Super Bowl, which is really cool. But I, I mean, I probably watched the, only, the first game I watched all last year was the playoffs when the Bucks were, went to the playoffs. Like I just didn't watch it. That's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard when you're like literally like so good. It's hard to kind of watch it as a fan. You know, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what that's like. I have never been so good at something. Is that when you watch your own YouTube videos? Yeah, I am not so good that I can't watch. Yeah, I don't know. That's all weird. That's one thing that does suck, too, is, I mean, I was literally one of the best in the world at football, and it's not something that really, like, directly correlates to anything else in life. Like, I could be a pretty good bouncer, I guess, and, like, keep someone from getting... Yeah, I don't know. But isn't that... (laughs) I was the best at getting, like, moving someone out of the way. Like, if you need someone to be moved out of the way, call me up. You'll be the first person I call if yeah. I need somebody moved. Yep. But, wow, how cool to say I was one of the best in the world at what I did. Yeah, it was really cool. And I think that's part of the challenge for most guys and stuff. Definitely something I've navigated is, you know, how do you be that good at anything else? It's like there's there's definitely a, an ego death that kind of has to take place because... Mm-hmm to be at that pinnacle yeah. of something one of the best in the world and all of a sudden having to like basically start over and figure out who you are without it. How, it's, how'd you do that? 
Well, the van really just, helped me. Just hanging out in the middle of nowhere, realizing that if people didn't know who you were, you were just another person. Well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed really? the... I didn't really like saying I played football when I played. It was really weird. And I didn't like being known as just a football player. And so when I left and started traveling the country, I got a little bit of attention. Um, you know, USA Today did an article, ESPN did an article, like, you know, NFL guy lives in a van. It's obviously attracted a bit of attention. <laughs> He's and I started- lost it. He fell off the edge. <laughs> not <laughs> playing football. Guy. I mean, um, was it kind of that? type of an article with a nice spin on it? No, I think it was really, really good. It was a good one? Yeah. Okay, and I started good. this, uh, I chronicled the journey through this blog I started called Man Van Dog Blog. I Ooh. I have to admit, when I saw that, I said it like seven times. Yeah. I was so Is excited. it still out there? Man Van I mean, Dog you can, Blog. You can go, I have some YouTube videos. You can go like see some of the Man Van Dog okay. like, 25 All videos right. I made. Show notes, people. Show it's notes. Like the best yeah. name ever. Man Van Dog Blog. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's you like, like it. I can't say it without so, smiling. You have some other talents here. Yeah. I can see. Yeah. Man Van Dog Blog. Man Van Dog <laughs> see? Blog. <laughs> okay, I'm ready together. Man, Man Van, Van Dog, Dog Blog. blog. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. it was a lot of fun. So I, so I, I kind of like, you know, shared my journey as I was traveling, which is a lot of fun. And then people that would come up to me on the road, like, Hey, aren't you that football player? And it's like, yeah, but this is what I'm doing now. And <laughs> yes. I really liked the yes. fact that I had something else to be to known transition for, to, yeah. which uh-huh. I think really helped ease that transition. I think yeah. a lot of people don't have that. Um, you know, now I'm getting into to being an entrepreneur and starting my own podcast and a lot of and other being things. Being a dad. Being a dad. I, I really enjoy investing in, in businesses as well. So there's just a lot of different things I'm continuing to learn about. Um, but yeah, that transition is, is, is challenging. And that's what I'm actually starting now. So I just started a community that, um, that is built just for former male professional athletes um, to help support them in the journey after sports because it was so challenging amazing yeah it's called the heart collective i launched it in november and um yeah really stoked about you know offering this because i think the big piece that's missing for most athletes and you know i definitely felt this is as an athlete i played football for 16 years of my life i had a goal um you know common goal that i was working towards with other team members i was a part of a team i received coaching my whole my whole life i had structure routine and all of a sudden when it's over like all of that is gone and you're kind of just by yourself wow. and you're like, Oh, That's what, dangerous. Do I, what do I do now? Yeah. 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 And so the big piece, I mean, the NFL provides a lot of different resources, but it's basically, you know, what, what to do next, like a second career placement or secondary education, or, you know, if you're therapy. really struggling, they can they <laughs> offer therapy, but it's just, it's not really solving this, this piece of like, how do I feel a part of something that I've felt like I've been a part of my entire life. And so mm-hmm. this right. big piece is that's missing is community. Mm-hmm. And so I'm building this community out to, to support guys in that way. Cause you know, athletes that reach that level of success, I mean, there, there's something special about them. They have the ability, the mental toughness, the discipline to really, you know, achieve greatness and success. And there's reasons that they were able to reach that level when a lot of their peers didn't. And so being able to, to kind of support that through this community container and give them the resources to really reach higher levels of success outside of the game is really exciting. Uh, that is an amazing point of view. And I, 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 I'm speechless in thinking about yeah, all these people that have that have done exactly what you said and worked so hard and been so great at what they did. They have to have some toughness and some talent in other areas other than being able to push people around. Mm, moving and, people out of the way. Yes. Keeping people from getting point A to point B. Uh, yes. Catching a football, throwing Ex- a football. Exactly. But then when it's over, it's... But then how do you over. channel that into something else? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you're trying to achieve is how to move those... Uh, talents and mental toughness into something else mm-hmm. that will make you just as good of a human. Yeah. Like focusing that energy instead of externally focusing it on yourself and figuring out who you are on a deeper level and what you actually want to do with your life rather than trying to prove yourself for the external validation that obviously sports provides. I mean, it was a big internal journey for me knowing that the reason I reached such high levels of success is because that was where I got my worthiness and my validation and where right. I received love was because right. I was so good at this thing. And when it was gone, that was taken away from me. I didn't know how to prove myself you to the world. You have to do everything internally and figure it out mm-hmm. before you can. So how do you get those things now? Can I ask you that? What things? Uh, the validation approval and, and, the, the, approval yeah. and oh. the feeling of self-worth. And- uh, I mean, it's it's... It's, it's coming back to self-love, like learning to love yourself and releasing the shames and the, and the stories that, you know, get in the way of that. And, you know, it's just this, this deeper healing journey that takes place. 
and asking the question of, of who am I and going inward and figuring that out, I think has been a big part of that journey. And, um, so I don't really need necessarily to seek out external validation. And I'm really grateful that I was able to make a lot of money at a young age and I achieved a childhood dream at a, you know, that most people can only dream of. And I actually right. like lived out a dream right. and I got to that point where everything I'd ever wanted was there and I still felt unhappy. And I think a lot of people, it takes them a lot longer to get to that point. But at some point, they'll get to a point where like they're making enough money that they thought would make them happier. Um, they have the relationship, the family, whatever it is, and they still feel something's missing. And they're like, wait, what, what is this? And then they go on the journey to find themselves. You know, I'm just really grateful that I got to that journey earlier in life. And, you know, kind of part of my journey now is to help share that with people that might not, might be on the journey. But I think you kind of have to get to that point to really have that realization yourself because nobody else can really tell you. I mean, there's plenty of people out there have gotten to that point and been like, it's, you know, money doesn't make you happy. It's like, well, because you have all the money, asshole. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go get my money. And then they get there like, wait, oh, man, oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm thrilled that we get to share. We get to hear about it. We get to talk to you. We have a podcast about RVs that tries to be a little bit quirky, a little bit entertaining. But wow, that's heavy stuff. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank uh, you it's good for all of us to hear that. It's mm. good for all of us to hear that that we all have talents and we all have self-worth and it really is all within yourself and there is no better place than nature to learn about mm. that and to figure out who you really are yeah. and well, be okay with that. One of my slogans when I was doing Man Van Dog blog was We love it. Sorry. <laughs> love. Live with less and experience more. And I think, you know, we always try and fill that void with stuff and the stuff can actually start to weigh us down. And so, I think living minimalistically with less stuff and really spending your money on experiences um, has really changed my life. And it's really, you know, broadened my mind, opened my mind and just allowed me to learn and grow. And I think that's really what's what's important. Absolutely. I'm inspired. All right. I'm quitting my job. <laughs> I'm going to okay. be a trapeze artist. <laughs> well... I think you need to work really hard and be the best in the world at it. And uh, I would get started. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I would get started. <laughs> I'll support you any way Good I luck. can. Are you going to live in a van while you do this? No. No. Okay. Just checking. No, and not to make light of it, but yeah, absolutely. No, I am less, But people have what they have, but to not let it define you, no right. matter mm -hmm. what level of what you have. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having stuff. Like I wanna make a lot of more money in my yeah. life, but I don't need that to make me feel, you know, more worthy or important or worth something, you know? Yeah, so if there is a, uh, a financial depression and you lose everything, you're not gonna lose your self-worth yeah. again. Not being attached to it, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Thank you so much. Mm. What a treat for us. Yeah, thank a you A year guys. down the road after this baby starts growing and you've traveled in your truck camper, could and you we, need to come back for service. Could we? Yeah. <laughs> could, could you stop in and chat with us about absolutely. what it's like? I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Yay. All right. And check out the show notes, guys, because we're going to put Man Van Dog Blog mm -hmm. and links to everything else that you'll let us down below. And are you writing a book? That's my question. I am writing a book. Okay. It's called Finding I was about to Freedom. Say you should. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're not, then why not? So uh, I'll writing be- Writing a book's actually really challenging. So I can imagine. It's challenging yeah. in a lot of ways. So I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you have so many lessons, yeah. so many lives that you've led. Mm. Um, I, it would be, it, it would help people. And isn't yeah. that the point of getting up in the morning? Absolutely. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Keep us involved in that. Let us know when the book's available. Um, and thanks. Yeah. Thank yeah. you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. We appreciate you. It's been great. I admit that I thought that we would get more time talking about uh, van life and travels and all that. I think that we will have to have him back on because his story with football was actually pretty enthralling. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew life would be so difficult when you're so good at what you do? Right. I mean, maybe we just like movie stars. We think that they just get up in the morning, eat some bonbons and mm -hmm. take a few, you know, photographs and their day is done. And well, everything I know about like the the back part of football and the recruitment and stuff like that is all from Jerry Maguire. So it was yeah. kind of cool to like talk to somebody. Yeah. And kind of get an understanding of what it's really like. 
Yeah. Wow. What a great individual, though. I mean, it was just, it made my day to get to sit with him, talk to him. Such a calm spirit. Yeah. Not what you would think of an NFL football player. So, uh, you know, just amazing amazing story mm-hmm. yeah and hear. you know it was kind of entertaining for me because i wasn't on the mics i was uh, i was at the side kind of doing the recording bit because mm-hmm. four people on a microphone can get a bit much but to see the two of you just dwarfed yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know i think that was, that was the least amount of talking i've done in any podcast too it was just there was there was so much listening i I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Well, he has so much to say, and I think we've only scratched the surface. So uh, I think we definitely put him on our list for next year to try to get him back yeah. and just kind of see what the truck camper life well, is like. At that point in time, he will have a year in his truck camper with his wife, who he's been married to for, I guess, less than a year. So they're still totally new- newlyweds. Yep. And they have a three-week-old baby. So this is there's going to yes. be a lot to catch up on Honey if we can get him back in. Mm-hmm. Well, hitting the road for most of life if they can, uh, just as much as they can get, it sounds like. Well, just a, just a great guy. So what a treat. Thank you, Joe. It was awesome. If you want to connect to Joe or see more about what he's doing, we're going to put it all in our show notes and uh, check it out at rvsmalltalk.com. Very good. And you can connect with the RV Small Talk again on Facebook. Just look up RV Small Talk podcast, but actually go to our community, the RV Small Talk community, where we can talk about all the places and things and gadgets, gizmos, inspirations, photographs, birds, um, (laughs) pets, you name it. If it's even remotely related to RVing and travel and camping, we can talk about it there. That's RV Small Talk community on Facebook. Also, all of our show notes, including this episode, can be found at rvsmalltalk.com. Don't forget to give us a voicemail. Drop us a line through email through our questions at rvsmalltalk.com email address. And we will be looking excitedly for your input. And we will see you next time. Peace. Peace.